In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of Street Politicians, the, the place, place where the streets and, and politics meet. Yes, yes, yes. Another What's episode. Going on? Another episode of Street Politicians, number one podcast in the world. <laughs> Boom, we here. Number one yes. in our hearts. Yeah. But we need you all to help it help us become number one on the charts. Soon um, come, soon Last come. week, great. I'm still just, you know, feeling it from... An incredible interview that we did last week, having um, some black men on our show talking about their lives, their books, because black men do write books. Yes, they do. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just thinking about the therapeutic nature of sitting down and putting your thoughts out there or trying to help save someone else's life, um, how powerful that is. And I know how hard it is to write a book. It is difficult. I'm actually writing my second book right now, and mm-hmm. it is very, very, it stresses me out makes my stomach feel queasy and everything because, you know, I know what the process of the, and, it, and, and literally Angela Davis, Dr. Angela Davis saved me from myself in, in state of emergency because I was so stressed and I was feeling like the world just, oh, everything's closing in. The book ain't going to be that good. This is not this and that and the third. And she read it because she wouldn't put her forward into the book. She wouldn't become a part of the fort without reading it to see if she thought the content was strong. So having her come back and agree, one, meant the book was solid. And she said it was a great book, incredible information and all of that, gave me some tips. But then when she saw that I was continuing to stress, she's like, yo, you just got to write it down and put it in the world and let it go because Mm -hmm. you're always going to have more points, more thoughts or whatever. So, you know, when you sit down and write a book, as you know, that's a powerful tool to address some of your issues. And so today we have more black men. More black men, (laughs) black men, baby power. Yeah, we got us some, you know, we got to get a little bit of testosterone. I told you, we got to get some of that up here. And so, you know, always a lot happening. Um, You know, last week, maybe it's been about two weeks now, the Supreme Court blocked um, 
President Biden's nationwide vaccine and testing mandate for big businesses. We know who owns these businesses. So, you know, and it's crazy because it's like some things in our community, we can be totally, you know, in disagreement with um, the big business. And then on the other side, now so many of our people agree that they don't want to have um, vaccine mandates. So it's just always bouncing the ball back and forth. But I'll tell you what I see in that is that Biden is having a hard time. He's dealing with Kristen Cinema and other senators that are supposed to be Democrats, Manchin, that are not supporting his legislation. I mean, now, you know, it's just been several weeks of a lot of trauma and we'll see what he does. But I'm very concerned that when the mid midterm elections come, that Democrats are going to lose so bad and not that they've been doing anything extraordinary. But I think what people often forget is that the the midterm elections is not about who's president. Mm -hmm. The midterm term elections are about your states. That is about your local living. Mm -hmm. And so when we say, well, you know, we just going we don't care. We've checked out. We just going to let whoever take office wherever. OK. But your state will be impacted by your inaction or your action. And, and perhaps they are independent candidates and others that folks should be voting for. So I'm all about, it. hey, I haven't met one, but there might be a Republican that has more of a commitment to the empowerment of poor, middle class, and underserved, marginalized communities. And if you show me one of those, I would vote for them. I'm, you know, that's a fact. But I also understand that... Um, you know, based upon what we know, it, there ain't many. And and I don't know, I don't, I don't know how all this is gonna play out, but I tell you one thing, me personally, I'm not, I, I'm just I'm 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 like most people, I'm checked out. So that's yeah, I'm, I'm not moved. You know you're saying? not moved. I'm not moved at all. I'm not inspired. You know, I see these emails, hey voting, I just you know, go on my way. You know, nobody's inspired. I don't think I think um when we look at this administration and we look at what we were promised, you know, it's just we haven't gotten anything. And, you know, it's it's deflating. It's deflating, you know, in all transparency. It's really is disheartening. You know, we just living in times, especially in the times that we live in. We already living with pandemic. We living in trauma fields. Everything, it seems like everything's going wrong. So now when you like, okay, we got an administration that says they want to do these things. And then, you know, you just don't see it happen. And it's just, you know. You it's know, a lot. A I just lot. think like we said, we need something different, man. We, we have do. to move towards galvanizing us and our energy, creating a voting block that is not partisan to anything, but to our needs, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. creating that and, and, and making sure that whoever that we put our back in behind fits the needs and they're, and they're willing and able and capable to do things that we need done. Yeah, well, I support that 100%. And I think once people see that we've organized ourselves in a block, which by the way, we do vote in a block because 90 something percent of us vote for, especially black women, vote for Democrats. But it's the way in which we use our power and the way that they suppress the voices of people who are speaking from a very, very radical perspective about what true change looks like. Um, that is problematic. So hopefully as we build a new thing, which we mm -hmm. are working alongside other individuals who are, are, are really trying to do that. And as we work in those areas, um, hopefully we, we stay 
true to our voices because that is, I don't think the problem is us voting together. I think the issue is making sure we have a platform that, and not being afraid of the use, the use of the word radical. Like, mm -hmm. you know, not just wanting to be progressive because progressive has become a just throw it at the wall and hope it sticks. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about like true radical change. So you have that. And then um, Ida B. Wells, there is a Barbie doll coming. I think that is so powerful. Dope. You know? Dope. So it's like you move and then And then they put somebody on the quarter. Who's on the quarter? Uh, the quarter is going to be... Maya um, Angelou. Maya Angelou on yes, the quarter, on the 25 quarter. cent. I, I, right. I bet you she would we chuckle. Outside. I bet she you she would chuckle. And then the Senate has passed the bill post-thumanously. Posthumously, I never am able to say that correctly, to give Emmett Till and his mother the Congressional Gold Medal, which is a big deal. Let's go, man. Um, so there's some great things happening. It's not always bad, 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 bad. Not always bad. Not always. But there's some issues you know, we still. Got, we got issues, but you know, every now and then we get something to smile about. We do get Let's something. Smile. And we must, must revel in those moments so that we are not just only, you know, only dealing with trauma. So my thought of the day today. Why do people think that folks who are are successful celebrities don't have true feelings, mm. right? And don't actually experience trauma and, and also respond just because your dance was hot or your, you know, your you could sing really well doesn't mean that you're not still human, that you don't still cut and bleed the same. Now, I understand that you have a responsibility to elevate above certain things because with success, with the limelight, with all of that, you have to learn how to control your emotions much, much more. But this whole situation is happening with Cardi B and she's in uh, court with a woman, a YouTuber. Um, and, you know, Cardi had to take a, um, what do you call it? STD test to determine whether or not she had herpes because this particular YouTuber went out and said that she had several STDs, I believe, but herpes was one of them. And so Cardi is, is suing her for defamation, which by the way, I know for sure that I should have sued several people. And in fact, I need to really consider suing some people because mm -hmm. of some of the lies that have been told about me um, and how those things do impact you in your life in, in multiple ways. So I'm really actually going to talk to my lawyer about the statute of limitations and like what, what I should do, because there are some people that I think I need to sue. And I'm, I've been inspired by this particular moment. Um, but the, so the, the, so Cardi, um, is in court and she, I guess she was in court last week. And she was basically saying that she felt suicidal. She didn't feel like she was herself. She didn't really want to have sex with her husband because this rumor was swirling out there and it bothered her. And I was reading the comments on, I don't know, maybe it was the shade room or one of them. And people were like, oh, please, that I don't believe that. This is just so that she can win the case. And well, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe she's saying she's making it more dramatized. But That's why, fine. But why, but why would it be so far fetched, right? Like if you're you're a woman, you know, and um, or anybody, just anybody. You and, but you're talking about somebody's physical. You know, and that's not that's an embarrassing thing. To yeah. Say about, and and you have millions of people who are hearing this. 
right? And then you read the messages, people sending you DMs, calling you names, and you got to constantly hear these lies about yourself, you know, and you got to live with that. Yeah. You know, and you got to yeah. just constantly stay in that. Because I know somebody sitting there saying, yo, you stole this, or yo, you a fake this. It bothers me. It don't. It don't make me suicidal, but it bothers me because, like, you don't even know that about me. How you get to say these things about me that ain't even true? So I know that bothers me. So if you put in, into the universe that somebody got herpes and all type of venereal diseases, and they have to deal with that every day, and, and other people actually believe that, and it's not true, like, why would why wouldn't that make you feel? I mean, feel and, and for some way? people, it might make them feel suicidal yeah. because I, you know, what I heard when listening to her is that, or at least I didn't listen to her. What what I hear in that, what's deeply like sort of unpacked is it's not probably it's probably not just that lie, but it is uh, uh, the combination of all the shit, the constant dealing with people, making up stories about you, attacking you, coming after you. Now somebody's out here saying that you have a disease that you don't really that you don't have. No, maybe your husband. He does. He he believes you. Like he doesn't think you have it, or maybe you had other tests, and 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 they know it's not there. But it still is something that rings in the back of your mind. Now to have to be, go take a damn um, STD test, so that it can the the so that the the results can be disclosed in a public court, and now this judge. That has nothing to do with your life. Gets to say whether you actually have it or not, and whether this person was right for what they have said about you. That's kind of crazy. That's a lot. That is heavy. So I could see how she might feel. I know people are gonna say you just love Cardi. Yup, I do. I do. And it doesn't mean that I don't love sense. her enough to say, oh, well, I don't think this was a good move or whatever. But yep, I, I do love Cardi. And um and and so when you love people, you support them, right? And when I hear some a sister saying that she felt suicidal because of what people you have done and, and the lies that people tell, I, I haven't felt I haven't felt suicidal recently. And to your point, things do bother us. But we're getting to the point now where it's like, who said it? Okay, you don't even matter. So who cares what you say, exactly. right? Um, but but you know, but I will say that when I went through the women's march experience, and it was the first time that I had been attacked so publicly, and at, oh, my whole life was just you know people. I mean, just all the things, the death threats and everything. While I didn't go in my room and sit there and say, let me kill myself. I, I swallowed enough pills in a day, sometimes 20, 30 pills in a day that I was committing suicide. Mm. So so it, for some people to look at her and go, oh, that can't be true. Maybe she didn't do anything. Maybe she's not ready to tell her story about what she did do or whatever in terms of suicide. But I'm telling you that what I went through, me, the strong, you know, I, I speak well, I stand up in in and in, 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 in deal with white supremacy every day. My as Teslin Figaro, our girl would say, my real name is attached to my face. I'm not a fake profile. I got real death threats. I have real trauma. I have all that. So this me, all of this that I've been able to overcome, I sat by myself and swallowed at least 20 to 30 pills a day at the end of my addiction time, okay, of that that time in my life, mm -hmm. and I was in the process of committing suicide. Wow, that's that's a lot, man. And, and I don't think that anybody 
can judge that, right? I don't think anybody should be able to gauge your level of pain and your level of trauma and how you are affected by what people say or do to you. Yeah, right? because Nobody people, because that. again, to her point, right? It was, it was, it was the venereal disease for, disease for her. But for me, it was, I hate Jewish people because of my relationship and proximity to other black people who have said things that hurt the Jewish community. Not what I said. Then the lie of people saying, oh, I heard Tamika say something that sounded anti-Semitic. You know, she she walked in a room and sat down and just started saying out of nowhere, oh, the Jews did this and the Jews did that. That's a lie. It never happened. But imagine with all of that coming at me, and I can't imagine Cardi, she can't even turn her phone on, to your point, mm -hmm. right? All of that coming at me, 400 articles written about me in one day. I'm finished. She's over. She She's this. She's that. She, she wasn't this. She was, shouldn't have been a leader anyway. She grew up in the hood. She's nothing. She don't know this. She didn't study here. She didn't read this. Every single day, hearing these things about myself made me start to self-medicate to the point where I ended up in a freaking rehab. So who the hell, like, what, like to your point, who are you just because you haven't experienced your time? Yeah, it's easy. It's easy to make, you know, a determination on how somebody should feel when you've never been in a situation, right? So that's that's what we learn. That's what experience teaches you. When, when you when you experience certain things, you, you never know what somebody else's burden is. You never know how they deal with, like, you see people commit suicide every day. But things that, <laughs> you brother, be like, yo, oh you like, you know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't commit suicide over that. Like, that's great. Like, but you don't, you don't know what that person was dealing with. You never know the inner turmoil and all these things that life has served anybody. So, mm. you know, we just got to give grace to people. I pray for Cardi, you know, just, just understanding her. Pray for all people pray who for are everybody. in the public limelight. Yeah, it's know, tough. So it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard, man. And that's, as our profiles grow and my profile grows, I, I find myself being attacked by so many different people, people who I don't know, some people you do know, you know, some people who have no significance or relevance, but then there are certain things that people say that touch you a different way, especially when you hold certain things in high regard, mm -hmm. you know, so when you hold your reputation like me, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money or anything. All I ever had was respect because mm -hmm. the way I carried myself, you know, the way when you speak about me in most settings throughout the world, they be like, my son is a solid dude. That's an authentic dude. His word is his bond. He carries himself a certain way. So when you attack that, that's my most prized possession. It ain't mm -hmm. about nothing else. So when you start attacking that, you know, and, and you start to even have people that know me question, like, yo, did this happen? Or asking me questions, that's that's something that bothers me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Then you feel the need to try to defend, but I realize you can't, you can't defend all you of those things you because- can't there's no end to it, right? right? It has no basis, especially when you deal with social media and the internet, you don't have to have facts, mm -hmm. right? You could just throw anything into the world. So we just got to continue to move in our own authenticity and move at our own pace and continue to be who we are, man. Just, I send prayers out to Cardi and everybody else. If you're an individual, if you're a person with a high profile celebrity, I understand, trust me, I get... I understand that you're dealing with a lot, man. Just just understand that. Just give yourself, understand who you are, believe in yourself, and don't let nobody, especially nobody that don't know you, get to dictate who you are. Yeah. That's it. That's that on that. 
In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So we are uh, joined today by the man that hopefully will make me and you yes, and you because we're I both investors. You put a couple of dollars in, in this fan base app, which is really a movement that is being created um, by this this young man, this gentleman uh, who, you know, I don't know who I don't know if people in our generation, well, I guess our generation, but the younger generation, yeah. if they appreciate who he is and what he comes from, the mm -hmm. greatness of his father, Isaac Hayes, the late great Isaac Hayes, late great. And now here his son, um, Isaac Hayes, the third is creating a legacy, you know, uh, on his own name, but based upon the Hayes legacy you know That's this right. strong That's tradition indeed. um and and you know isaac hayes the third is also a record producer and a, a vocal actor which i would a, vo a voice actor is what it says and i want to know what that means i think i know because those voices yeah. if you know about the isaac hayes voice mm -hmm. then you know what you know that that voice is so powerful um and but today his capacity is something that's really important for our communities and it, and for me it is about being able to communicate with us on a platform that is by us and all of us putting our resources together to ensure that fan base becomes 
as big, if not bigger than the Facebooks and the Instagrams and all these other platforms that people who don't look like us control, Clubhouse and all of that. Um, they're making money and getting ad dollars off of our likes and clicks and communication. Um, but he has created fan base um, and also is very, very politically astute as well. And so we are happy to welcome Isaac Hayes the yes, third to sir. Street Politicians. Thank you. That was a that was a wonderful introduction. Yes, really sir. Was. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh, yes, you have the does. voice. You have the voice. Oh yeah. It, it came, it, oh, they passed down, they got oh, passed yeah. down. He said, oh yeah. <laughs> it did. Oh, yeah, Tell me it. about the voice actor piece. Like, what have you done that we would recognize? Mm. I don't know. I've been I've been doing voiceover for almost 20 years now. Mm. Um, so commercials, cartoons. Um, I've been on Cartoon Network a bunch. Okay. I've done promos for Nickelodeon and McDonald's commercials and all kinds of commercials. It, I mean, it, it was really my hustle coming up as a producer. But I could hop in a hop in the studio real quick and record something for a brand and come out with like, you know, four, five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. That that's that's a lot of money back back in the day, um, about 20 years ago to pay rent. So for sure I was with it. Wow. Cool, man. So so tell us about fan base. Tell like, give let people know what is it? What is fan base? So fan base is a social media platform that allows any user to monetize their content via subscription. Um, and virtual currency we call love. So I wanted to create a platform that allowed people to have a following to continue to have that, but also put content behind paywalls um, that allow people to subscribe to them. So everybody becomes their own subscription service and uh, provides the opportunity to make some money in this new era that we're moving into. So, so break down for me, because first of all, which I have to say and be very vulnerable and honest about, it's just so much work for me to even maintain the social media that I have that I haven't yeah. actually transferred my life to fan base, which is something that is going to happen as of today. So break it down. What First of all, you said you gave us the reason why you created it. What was the void that you saw um, that you wanted to that you're trying to solve for? For, that's one, and then and then also take us into how it works specifically. Okay, so the void is um, this young kid was dancing. He went viral dancing in a Spider-Man costume. Black kid goes by the name of Ghetto Spider. He's from Memphis, Tennessee. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I just so happened to see the video, um, and I just DM'd him and said, "Congratulations, young Memphis." It was just totally random, you know, because he really danced. And he hit me back and was like, are you a manager? Like, I need a manager. And, you know, the conversation was very frantic about him trying to figure out a way to monetize this moment that he was having on social media. And I was like, I don't really manage influencers, but I'll get back to you. And that was in March of 2018. The next time I spoke to him was like in December of 20, 2018, when I had already built fan base because I left that conversation like, this kid doesn't know how to monetize his talent. He doesn't own Spider-Man. Marvel and Disney can shut that down at any moment. So um, he needs to be able to, to charge people to know how to dance like he does. And that was the energy um, behind building the platform. I think that was extremely important that, um, you know, people have an opportunity to monetize their content and understanding that black culture drives social media like all the way to the top. I think, you know, if everybody black left social media today, it looked like a JCPenney catalog. It would just be the most boring place on earth. Um, there'd be nothing to do. 
And so for us to be able to monetize our culture and also at the same time be part of an infrastructure that um, these companies are worth billions, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars, it gives us a real opportunity to, to emancipate ourselves from these infrastructures that don't properly reward us for our creative genius. So that was the, the purpose and the mission behind Fanbase. And so how it works is it's a totally free app. Anybody can download it on the iOS um, app store or Android. Um, we're in, available in 170 plus countries worldwide. And you can make a profile like you would make on any platform, but the difference is you can put stuff behind paywalls. You can put photos, videos, um, you can put long form content up to one hour behind a paywall. So I'm virtually turning everybody into their own Netflix. If you have a TV show, a podcast, a short film, and you want to put put it behind a paywall and have people subscribe to see it, you can do that. Um, we have stories, we have live, we have audio rooms, all that are able to be um, tipped by this virtual currency we call love that people buy from our subscription store. And every time you you like something, it's free, but when you love it, you give the creator half a penny and those add up pretty fast. So that's how fan base, you know, works in a nutshell. Wow. So that's a lot. You know, I, when I'm listening to it and and I hear what you're saying, what what is the the thing that's going to grab somebody? Like, right? Because if you're already on Instagram, if you're already on TikTok, mm -hmm. you own these things. Like, how do we sell it to somebody like, you need to get this? Like, yeah. it is has it to be a- money? Yeah, is, then... is it just the money monetary? Like, what is the thing? Because you know that it's very hard like transitioning people, everybody is on Instagram all day. They're already yeah. on Facebook. Like they, yeah. their life is there. So what what are we, cause we invested in this. So what are we telling yeah. people that are saying, look, this is where we need to be. What is the selling, the big, the thing? The, the, the first thing that I would tell people is to invest again, right? I've opened mm. up a second round. Um, so people that invest in fan base, um, I'm raising 2.6 million on start engine. Again, we've already raised over $900,000 in about two weeks. Um, I'll stop the raise at 2.6 million because I, I feel that who better to actually have equity in the startup than the people that make it popular, right? Um, I witnessed, you know, Clubhouse go from a hundred million dollar valuated company to a $4 billion valuated company simply by the black community and the entertainment community coming on the platform and having conversation after conversation that was, you know, screen recorded and went viral and no one got to own a piece of the company that contributed to all of those conversations. So I'm like, look, I want people to actually own their social media um, to do that. And, and the, yes, the money is, is the main point behind it because we're kind of already behind, right? Like I tell everybody, we're in the subscription era. If you don't believe that we are, you're already late because we are. And the reason why I say that is for, for a couple of reasons. One, um, in 2020, 54% of all in-app purchases were recurring. So that means they were subscriptions. So if you bought an app, 54% of the people that purchased an app was an app that had recurring purchases in it. So we are in the subscription era. The primary source of all of our media that we consume now is subscription-based with cable television, Netflix and Hulu, Apple Music and Spotify, um, the New York Times, Forbes, um, all these publications that you subscribe to online, our productivity apps that we use like Microsoft Word, Photoshop, Premiere Pro, um, if you're in the music industry, now you you license uh, Pro Tools. You don't buy it anymore. Um, and then the apps, again, they are. So people should be monetizing their content because um, the, the ability to be the point of distribution to a user is now yours. 
<clears throat> so now people can subscribe directly to you. And that, that presents an opportunity for anybody on the planet to make money. You might not make millions of dollars, but you absolutely could be making thousands of dollars a month off your social media. So wow. how do I get my people? Is it like, I just got to, it's like guerrilla marketing. I got to go on my Instagram page and tell people that this, the conversation that I'm having with, you know, whoever mm -hmm. is going to happen on fan base. So meet me over there. Is that just yep. the strategy? Okay. So we just yeah. basically shifting folks. Let me, and let me explain why that's important. There are two apps that two, two startups that exist right now that people use to monetize their content. One is Patreon. One is OnlyFans. Um, and the, the big difference between those platforms and fan base is fan base is a social network. It is combined of users collectively creating content that they can share with one another. OnlyFans is not the type of environment where you're going to actually even maybe show your face because the majority of the content on there is, is, is explicit content, X-rated content, right? Right. And then Patreon, you only go there to see. The only way you wind up on Patreon is when somebody tells you to go specifically to their page. So it's not a, it's not a social network. You don't go into Patreon to see a bunch of different content that you consume, like a Netflix or like a Hulu. It's like, go here directly to see my content and you don't really run into anything else. So the people on Patreon only monetize the people that they bring to the platform. Mm -hmm. So collectively, if you're doing that alongside a social network that people can share your content, it maximizes the opportunity for you to monetize your content. And so that's extremely important because I explain to people all the time, people say, well, you know, there's, there's not a lot of people. We have like 160, 170,000 people on fan base right now, which is a lot of people, you know, uh, to, to really in the social network starting out. And, and, and I tell people all the time, so does an arena magically appear with like 25,000 people and all of a sudden Future shows up and says, I'm gonna do a show for you guys. Mm. Or does Future say, I'm doing a show at this arena on this date, pull up. And then people go there and purchase tickets to see that show. Right then, right. That's, mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so that's the reason behind, you know, saying you have to drive your audience. Your, your social media following on most of these other platforms is useless, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and what I mean by that is however many millions of followers or hundreds of thousands of followers or thousands of followers you have on social media, you're not, you don't have access to all of them, right? None of us have access to all of our following. Um, if you have... Um, 14 million followers or 20 million followers on Instagram, Instagram's not sending your content to 20 million people. Mm -hmm. There's no way they're going to do that. And if, cause if they did, um, the brands would come and pay you and not pay them. Like, mm -hmm. why would they, why would they give you the same visibility that they charge Coca-Cola for? Right. That doesn't like wake up, like understand that you'll, if you got 20 million followers, you have access to 3% of those people mm -hmm. because you know, like 14 million people is the equivalent of Sunday night football on NBC. And brands pay half a million dollars for 30 seconds for that type of visibility. Why would they give you that for free? Hmm. So, you're, so you are, but, but on your platform, on our platform, yeah. um, fan base, you have more access to more people? Yeah, we don't throttle down engagement. So mm. like when you go live on fan base, if you have a million followers, we're going to send out a million notifications, right? Wow. Because, because the more people that show up, um, the opportunity for you to generate revenue and make money, the more content you post, if everybody sees your content, then you have the higher visibility of being able to actually monetize that content. And it's working. You know, people are ma already making money on the platform. People are making two, three hundred dollars a month, five hundred dollars a month, a thousand dollars a month on fan base already. And I think that's significant. And and most of it is coming from virtual currency, not subscriptions. We haven't really even moved into really that space yet. 
where people are just creating so much content that they subscribe to. But I think people don't realize that their content has value, right? They, they don't realize that there's a value to what um, they're, they're creating because all the content we collectively um, post on social media, they run ads in between that and make billions of dollars and don't give any of that revenue to the user. I think what Facebook and Instagram made $86 billion in revenue off ads in 2020. Right. How much of that money did they give to the users? None. Wow. So, so break down content su suppression. Suppression. Content so, suppression. So content suppression is when um, you post something and it's hidden from a significant portion of people for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. One, the messaging might not be something that the platform wants to represent. And I explain this by, by way of like, people complain about content suppression on a platform like Facebook or Instagram, but that platform is beholden to the brands that pay them. Mm -hmm. So hypothetically speaking, if I'm a very conservative brand and I wanna market whatever I'm paying Facebook or Instagram for, and I'm about to spend $10 million in ads, and I go to Facebook and say, I don't want any Black Lives Matter content or any LGBTQ content showing next to my post because it's wasting my money. Then what do you think Facebook and Instagram are gonna do? They're gonna turn down the gay, they're gonna turn down the Black Lives Matter. After that ad runs, they'll turn it back up. So that's the reason why they do that. It's like, we're gonna get our money and then we're just gonna hide your content for a day or two. Or collect collectively speaking, if there's a message that's being said that the platform, you know, the most of the people that are on the platform may or may not agree with, they'll hide it, they'll suppress it, they'll push it down. And that affects a lot of people's ability to get their message out. And in some instances, monetize based on what the platform considers appropriate. So the so when I post something on Instagram, like how quick do they get to see this? Is it robotic? Is it like a, it's a system they immediately know oh, yeah. that you're, or is it just me talking period and they know I'm Black Lives Matter, you know, in quotes, we're until freedom, yeah. but- you know what I'm saying? Is that what happens? So that's shadow banning. So shadow banning is when they target you and say, look, we want, we don't want Tamika Mallory to have a voice on this platform. So we make it harder for people to find her, right? It might be like, if we don't, if you don't type your exact name, the way it's spelled, then people can't find you at all. Because mm. most, most predictive searches, like you tap in, you know, the first two or three letters of your name, and then it'll pull up all the people that are similar, especially if it's somebody that you might have liked that content or, or, or follow that person, right? Or somebody you know follows them. So then what happens is if you're not very, very, very exact, then they, they throttle it down or they put filters that say um, inappropriate content filter. That could be anything from profanity to um, partial nudity, which is still allowed on the platform. But once that filter's turned on, it'll filter that content. So you have to turn it off so you, you can see everything that you want to see. Like, show me everything. Don't hide anything from me. Hmm. That's the point. And they put that on by default. So that's shadow banning. That's entirely different. Suppression is you post something, it might have words in it that talk about COVID and vaccines. It might have words in it that talk about Trump or talk about abortion or whatever. And, they, and, the, and the algorithm recognizes that and says, okay, let's smush that down or let's push that up. Um, and highlight that content. And so that's how those algorithms work to, to I, I guess, in a sense, present content to people that brings a lot of engagement and suppress content of those people that may not want to see that content or disagree with that message. Wow. Well, let me ask a conspiracy theory I've, I've, They definitely be shadow banning me. All shadow banning. Shadow banning. <laughs> Suppression, they do all everything. Of that. everything. Oh, I get shadow banned during elections all the time. Like, li like, I'm, like literally the 
the, the Trump election last year, my engagement went down literally minus 100%. I was wow. silenced. Nobody saw anything that I posted until it's after the election was over. Miraculously, people started seeing my content again. So they were like, yo, we got we to gotta shut this dude down. So they turned me all the way off during the election. So, okay. So that's why this is my conspiracy. It ain't that much of a conspiracy. It's really my theory. Uh -huh. But, you know, is it, do you think that that's also, that they are turning up ignorance? Like, so that our culture is influenced by sex cells, violent cells and all of that. And then they turn down those people who are trying to do, you know, trying to teach positive things, whether it be therapy all the way to, um, you know, uh, empowerment messaging and political messaging. Do you think that that's possible or is, or am I, is it really a conspiracy theory? I think it might be a little bit of both because what I consider like a lot of the stuff that happens on um, social media, mental junk food. But we love junk food, right? We love candy and potato chips and our brain, our synapses fire when we taste that sugar. And so those types of conversations that are sometimes divisive or um, controversial uh, create a lot of engagement. If somebody's getting beat up in front of like a bar full of people and a boo pop out, people are gonna be sending it or somebody slips and falls or it's some sort of really dramatic situation that normally doesn't come across um, the eyes of an individual that creates a lot of engagement. So what happens is the algorithm crudely recognizes that it thinks that that's what people wants to see, want to see and it serves that content to other people. That happens a lot on TikTok mm. where you can wind up in rabbit holes of depression mm. or um, suicidal or conspiracy theory rabbit holes that on, they only show you content that they think you like. So if it's like, okay, I'm an anti-vax person, then you might wind up in an anti-vaccine rabbit hole. You might wind up in a Trump rabbit hole um, or any kind of rabbit hole that could be like depression or suicide. Mm -hmm. So it's still a cru crudely formed algorithms that think that that's what you want to see because you engage with it more and therefore it keeps you on the platform longer and then it allows them to serve you ads longer. So it's really this whole system um, of designed monetization by, you know, feeding people what they think they want to see. And so that mental junk food, we all are guilty of, of seeing that if Kanye goes crazy on the internet, everybody's going to tune in. So they're going to send Kanye to everybody. And that's what, so, so while Kanye's ranting or doing what he does, they're serving, they're serving ads um, to the people in between that content. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed that we've, we get overloaded with so much thing, so many things that don't have any type of relevance or, you know, possibility of elevating us at all. So mm -hmm. we definitely need to control and monetize our own, you know, platforms and our own voices and our own content. So fan base, I'm so even though I've been so because I'm an investor, but I think we got to start transitioning over there so that we can, you know, create the messages that we want to have without having our content suppressed. Yeah. You know? But we just learned that we have to invest more. We don't, do. don't, more. don't look, we don't, don't act like he, he, like he, he didn't don't miss an opportunity well, to listen. say, glad you gave us that money, but we need a few, we need more, a few more. Listen, <laughs> you know what? Let me, let me, let me tap into something that I think is extremely important, right? About black culture, right? And this is what I say about black, black people and African American people in the United States of America. We are the youngest and smallest culture group on planet earth, right? We're about 600 years old. We're very, very small, but we're the most influential globally. Mm -hmm. And so what happens with that is we create and innovate at a speed and a pace that we don't even realize we're making like 
industries off of our invention. I tell everybody this, 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 these, these two examples that are very relevant. Um, the moment that Grandmaster Flash DJ on two turntables and a mixer and looped a beat, somebody should have went to him and said, do not show a living soul what you just showed me. Let's go figure out how to make record players. Mm. Because fast forward 2022, pioneers and techniques and, and, and Serratos of the world own DJ culture off his invention. Mm. We, we, we created the culture, but we don't own the infrastructure, right? That creates an enormous amount of revenue for a company, right? And then the same example with like automobiles, right? The Pimp My Ride era. We got LED lights in cars, star ceilings, TVs in the headrest, amazing sound systems, rims. Every luxury car in existence has all of those amenities now, but we don't own a Ford, we don't own a Chevy, we don't own any of those. And then use that in the example with social media. We give our clapbacks to Twitter, our dances to TikTok, our conversations to Clubhouse, our skits and all our comedy to Instagram, and we don't own Facebook, we don't own Clubhouse, we don't own Twitter, we don't own any of these platforms. So with fan base, collectively, any person that's on social media should have the opportunity to own a part of a social media platform that they use, especially the Black community. Because when this whole Black Lives Matter era came upon us, a lot of corporations promised to do a lot of great things, right? So think about the $86 billion mm -hmm. that Facebook made in ad revenue off a lot of the culture and content that African-American people contributed to that, to that platform. Now go to Facebook and ask them to take $6 billion and put it directly in the hood. Mm. Tell, them to, tell them to put $6 billion in, the, in Chicago, right? Or, 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 or in Atlanta, right? In the hood with these young kids. They're gonna say, get out of here, right? And so fan base serves as an opportunity collectively to be able to support whatever movement whatever movement it is that can support people, but understand that black culture will not be left behind, right? It will not be left by the wayside or ignored um, or, or just, you know, say, thanks for all your culture. You know, we're making billions of dollars in ads and not really return the favor to the community. So I tell everybody invest, buy shares. Um, the raise closes at 2.6 million. Um, we're almost at a million dollars. So you can go to startengine.com slash fan base to invest. The minimum to invest is $250. So you might as well take $250 and put it towards um, something that can grow and develop. We're valued at 50 million. These companies that are that we're talking about are valued at 200 billion, 400 billion, $900 billion. So imagine taking an investment that could, that could potentially have a return of 5,000X, 2,000X. That's the type of, of potential that fan base has and will have because we're gonna continue to grow. Mm. Wow. Well, mm. that's enough for me. That's it, man. Yeah. I'm sold, man. Yeah, I'm going to make go sure put me a little more change. Up a little there. bit more change. Yeah. We're going to scrape up some more dollars, man. Because <laughs> I, I see us man. being billionaires in the next year, man. Yeah. I can't hey. see. It's like what you said is like it's, it's a combination of all of what we, the social media sites. But what actually happens is we're able to monetize. Like it does. It acts as pretty much as everything else, but it's ours and like we're able YouTube, to monetize. Kind of, yeah. but. But we own it. Yeah. And I, I saw you were putting out the call to Cardi and others. So I said, well, that's what we will work on. Yeah. My, the two of us are going to get on the phone and say, you need to go to fan base and make sure that she's seeing it. So uh, that, Yo, let that, me tell you something. I've been posting them numbers and my literally my phone has been ringing off the hook because people don't believe that they're leaving that much money on the table. I'm going to yeah. give you a quick scenario. Beyonce has 200 million followers on her Instagram worldwide, right? Cool. 10% of that is 10 million people. That's the beehive. Those are the people that love Go Beyonce around the world. Goes. 
those 10 million people, yeah. if those 10 million people pay Beyonce $2.50 a month, that's $25 million a month, that's $300 million a year. Wow. Just 5% of those people. You see what kind of wealth is going to be generated through the subscription era? I promise you, this era is going to generate so many millionaires and so many billionaires that I can come directly to you for your content. I can subscribe directly to your TV show, your comedy special, your masterclass from around the world. It's going to explode. I promise wow. you, I guarantee you. It's, I, I feel like oh, the guy in the movie that's saying, yeah, I feel like the guy that's saying the asteroid is coming and everybody's laughing like, no. I mean, I, like, it's, like, it's really it's, a no-brainer. It's just, it's, un, it's like pretty much, right? It's like what, what, what we did with hip-hop, right? People just start saying, all right, I'm, I'm going to pay this promoter to start, you know, to he's going to give me um, $100,000 to do a show. And, and the, the innovators say, you know what? I don't need to pay the promoter. I'm the... Thing. I'm just gonna rent out the rev. I'm gonna rent out the the um the venue, and yep. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna make a hundred million dollars instead of yeah, making a hundred thousand. That's what me. It's like why, So when you start understanding that, and you understand that as an influencer, you actually drive the content to the to the um place. Platform. They don't give you the content. They don't bring the people. You bring the people there. So when you say, "All right, we going over here," and even if I only make one percent, I'm making more money. Then I'm making over there. Then I'm a give to somebody. It doesn't. Else. Even, it, yeah. it's, it's a no. It's really actually a no-brainer. So yeah, but tell, what's me, a no-brainer for some is a brainer for others because people in our community, we've been trained that as soon as somebody says something to you about a dollar, we automatically start having all these negative thoughts about oh, you trying to get me and it's gonna be a scam right. and a this and a that and that's right. that's what we have to overcome. Absolutely, I think when we when we we realized our value um, collectively. And I'm t I tell everybody this, this is, the, this is the easiest legal flip of all time. And what I mean is, I'm gonna ask you a question and I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if you guys give me the answer. What directly affects the value of a social media platform? What directly affects the yeah. value? What, if, what directly affects the value of a social media platform? Usership. Thank you. Okay, so now, easy, right? So let's say somebody made an app that you can invest in and own shares, and then you tell everybody to come to the platform, guess what happens? The value of the company goes up. Hmm. So you're legally inflating the value of your own asset by using it. Wow. By That's the using easiest flip in stuff. the world. But it's pretty you know much it's like, it's like oh. what they do with stocks. Yeah, it's let like me. Stuff. So I got I got 20 million followers. Let me go buy some shares on Fanbase and then tell those 20 million people to come over to Fanbase. Wow. And now my company's gone from 50 million. Your company that I'm investing in that was worth 50 million is now worth two billion dollars. Wow. Well, listen, we have another hey. guest that's waiting um, yeah. to to get on with us. But I mean, it's really really interesting. I'm really really invested, not just from a financial perspective, but invested in this idea of us building our wealth, like depending on these systems, as you know, to mm -hmm. somehow empower our communities, it clearly is not working for us. And so we have to start finding other ways. And what do they say? Um, economic or economic engines to support mm -hmm. our own communities, our own causes. Imagine if people would take some of the resources that they are receiving from fan base and help to invest in the work that we do on the ground every day where we won't we won't have to at this point we haven't had to rely on corporate dollars but we know that if we don't receive uh donations from individuals investments, investments but you know donations from individuals 
we will eventually have to say to somebody, give us some of your diversity money, right? right. And then and then that's where they start trying to control the messaging. So we've got to go, but I want to make sure we give a shout out to Monique Eidlet and also Roland Martin. Roland didn't even give us an option. He sent the link to a chat and said, go now and invest today. Right. And, yep. you know, and we did it. We follow both of them as they describe what they believe is a great invention, a great creation that that um, they are heavily invested in as well. And so I'm happy to be a part of this from the ground up. And we know that it's going to be like, it's going to be it. It is it already. Yep. Yep. Thanks, Isaac. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys very much. All right. Yes, talk with you Fan, base. Fan base. Fan base. So, you know, the thing with, with Isaac Hayes, um, the third that we didn't get to cover, because I really didn't want, our interview with him to focus on his dad. I'm sure everybody asked him so much about yeah. his father, but his father had some financial challenges. I think at one point, um, his house was being sold on foreclosure. He definitely went through some financial things. And you know, you read these things online. I don't know how true it is, but what I will say, uh, but I know for sure there was some financial challenges. And I'm sure that had something to do with why the third, Isaac Hayes the third, realizes, hey, we've got to do something about securing black wealth. I think that for us is how we are going to uh, perhaps be able to transition the mindsets to show people examples of where we got it wrong and how we can now uh, you know, change the way that we see money and our relationship with money. Um, so you know, I, I'm really proud of what he's doing because I know that people probably give him hell, you know, and it's hard. We, you know, of course, we didn't have a lot of time to talk about the challenges and how difficult it is, but he's still pushing forward and he's and he also is very politically engaged. So mm -hmm. this is somebody who's not like, well, I don't I don't do that black stuff. You know what I mean? I ain't in that. I don't do that black stuff. I'm just focused on this app and that's it. Cause you know, that's how some of our people are. He's somebody that's like, nah, I'm willing to put it on the line because I understand that wealth is not just connected to us putting money in our pocket, but it's the development of our communities. And we've heard him say it today. Yep. You know, definitely need the fan base. I'm gonna put my next investment in. Yep. So we can get a few more dollars. Yeah, a few more dollars. A few more dollars, man. Shout out to Isaac Hayes. Um, just hearing him, you know, he's and I once again, it seems like a no-brainer. It seems like, look, you listen to what he said, he tells you how you can make the money. And if you're an influencer and you know that every time you go on a site, anybody, anywhere you go, you bring millions of people there. Why not bring millions of people somewhere that you can make millions of dollars off of bringing yeah. millions of people to. Yeah. It just seems like common sense to me, but you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see, because we're going to push him. I'm yep. calling up everybody to make sure. Get on fan, fan base. base. Fan base. Fan base. So we've got our next interview. Yes, our next interview. One of my guys, man. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? 
their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So now we have one of my son's friends who is about to become my friend um, through this this segment today. He is a change maker um, and we're really, really um, humbled to have with us um, DeForest B. Sories. He's an author. The book is called Defree, Breaking Free from Financial Slavery. And, you know, we've been really focusing and we're going to continue um, frequently to talk about money, black people and black our people. relationship to money. Um, so folks who are like, well, they just did a financial, yep, and expect that there'll be another one that coming another up. We're going to talk about money from a political perspective, money from an investment perspective, money from saving, money from all the all the different perspectives. Um, and I think one of the things that makes um, this gentleman a special guest is that he is a retired pastor for 30 years 30 years he was a pastor and just in July 31st has retired. And so his relationship to the conversations around money, raising money and dealing with black folks and money is really, really deep and strong. And so when I hear somebody say breaking free from financial slavery, I know I'm a slave at times. I'm a slave to purchases that I like to make. Yeah, I'm a slave to holding my money, hoarding it, being afraid to to invest in things. So I'm happy to have our change maker, DeForest uh, B. Sorries, who said his name is Buster. He said they call him Buster. That's, what, that's it. What's happening, Buster? How you feeling today, King? My friend and my hero. Good to see you, Miss Mallory. I, I've loved you for years. You have no idea. I loved you all the way back to the National Youth Movement. Yes, days. yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so you are my I'm friend. I'm honored now. to be with you. And I want to commend both of you for your for the work that you do. You know, one, one of the things that I, I pray for every time I see what you're doing is that you would be able to stand strong despite the criticism and the hatred from the people that you're fighting for. Yes, yes, sir. That, that, that part of your work 
activists who are sincere, you are, have as your greatest challenge the fact that it's it's harder to it's it's harder to help people today than it ever was before. Yeah. It's like folks that are drowning when a lifeguard jumps into a pool to save a drowning person, the lifeguard has to be ready for the fact that the drowning person will make them drown if they're not strong enough. Mm. So I, I want to commend both of you because both of you have have increased in stature, but you've also increased in hatred. And often the hatred comes from your own people. The people you're trying to liberate are the ones that are coming at you. And I just want to tell you that there are people out there like me who see it, who recognize it, who admire your strength and who pray for you. God bless. Well, we need Thank all the you. prayers we can. We truthfully, thankfully appreciate that, man. Because like you said, it'd be your own people. The people you're trying to save, they're they the person trying to bring you down. So, you know, and uh, we just want to say thank you, man. Yes. I, you know, I, I've been, ever since we were we met um, and we did our conversation, you know, I've been paying attention and just watching you evolve in your message and, and being persistent and consistent in it, you know, trying to make sure that we are aware about financial slavery and how we can be free from that. And I see that you're developing, the book is now being developed into an app. You know, trying to make sure that it's um, culturally savvy and it's, it's of the time. So that's dope. Yeah. yeah. So well, tell we, us about D-Free. Okay. Well, D-Free, to make it started really when I was 31 years old. You know, when I was 18, I got my first credit card and I lived on credit cards for 13 years. I was an activist. Um, I was called to ministry, but I was addicted to things. I was more interested in my look than I was my wealth. And, you know, my dad died when he was 47. He died from an overdose of anesthesia in the hospital. And at that time, my mother was 44. I was the national director of Operation Push at that time. Mm -hmm. And although I was happy doing my job, I love Reverend Jackson. Fact is, when my father died, if he had not had insurance, I couldn't have bought my mother a dinner because mm -hmm. I was spending so much money and I was looking good on the outside, but I was really living bad on the inside. And so for, for 13 years, I was going from credit card to credit card. You know, when I was licensed to preach, I traded and paid for a Chevy to buy a Cadillac that took up half my paycheck. And, and on Tuesday night, you know, I went to prayer meeting and came home to bill collectors calls. On Thursday night, we had protest meeting. Every Thursday night, we looked for somebody to hit the next week. And every Thursday night, I got bill collector calls. And I thought it was okay. I thought it was normal. I didn't have savings. I couldn't donate to the NAACP United Negro College Fund. I was living from credit card to credit card. And my black grandmother, I'm from Brooklyn, and uh, my grandmother was in Brooklyn. And when my grandmother died in Brooklyn, when I was 31 years old, she left three houses paid for. Mm. One house was a brownstone over in Crown Heights. The other was a, a, a 22 bedroom old hotel she bought up in in uh, upstate New York. And the third was over in Bed-Stuy where I was born on Jefferson. And so the first house that I inherited, I inherited from my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And I said at her grave that if my black grandmother with six children, no civil rights, with a husband who was disabled because he had a stroke, if, if my grandmother whose only skill was sewing could die and leave three houses debt free, and shame on me with all of my civil rights and all of my activism and all of my education. 
if, if when I died, all I had to leave was credit card and furniture and car bills. And so that day at her grave, I dedicated the rest of my life to resisting the temptation of helping rich people stay rich and speaking truth to power, but being broke and have nothing to leave my kids and community. Mm. Ooh, wee. That's, that's a dedication, man. So when, when you say that, what, what do you think is the biggest problem of our generation right now in, in, in relation to money, in relation to being slaves to um, finances? What do you think is the biggest problem? I think, and I told you I was going to say something I haven't really said before publicly. I think our biggest challenge today is we've lost the spirit of resistance. Mm. Mm. You see, money is political. Money is social. Money is, is, um, is cultural. Let's think back to December 1955, you know, from a civil rights and social action perspective. December 1st, 1955 launched the movement that transformed the country it was a boycott. It was not just a protest. And the fact that Black people in Montgomery were willing to withhold their financial support for the bus system that dehumanized them gave them the power to change the system. The protest lasted 384 days, and people were willing to walk instead of ride, but it was using that money pursuant to the spirit of resistance. We've lost our willingness to resist and use our financial capacity in the fight for social justice and for freedom. And so we, we cuss and fight and, and criticize all, all of the systemic evils. And then we go right out and spend and use money in a way to support the very people that we say we disagree with. Right. So right. I think, I mean, that's, that's philosophical, but it's rooted in history. You know, when you look when you look at uh, 1921 Tulsa, Oklahoma, one side of that story is that white racism was so angry at the development of Black Wall Street, they just burned it down. 600 businesses, six guys owned private airplanes. We had a hotel, a movie theater. That was 1921. We didn't get to Tulsa until around 1905, mm -hmm. which means that between 1905 and 1921, black the black community in Tulsa was so serious about self-development that they built Wall Street sufficient to make white folks mad. And so I'm as interested in what they did and how they behaved from 1905 to 1921 as I am what white people did in response to them in 1921. Mm -hmm. so, so I think when I, what you asked me, Tamika, what is D3? D3 in one sense is the strategy that I used to get from having uh, credit as, as my barrier to wealth. Mm. I, I would, you know, if I was, if I was an activist today, I would say I was woke. I was woke, but I was broke. Mm. And, mm. and to be woke and broke means that we mm. use GoFundMe as an insurance company. Damn. To be woke and broke means that we will allow people to come from all over the world and buy up our neighborhoods. You know, to be woke and broke means you got more money on your head than you do in your bank account. So what, what I am, what I'm doing through D3 is I took my own testimony, my own journey. I had to do three things. One, I had to stop using debt and credit as though it was income. You know, I made 25,000 a year 
when I worked for Push, but I had a credit card that gave me $5,000 worth of spending power. And so I lived as if I earned $30,000. Mm -hmm. So I, I never caught up. I was, I was a sharecropper with a gold credit card in my pocket mm -hmm. because sharecroppers basically lived on other people's land and they never caught up. So the first thing I did was start, stop using credit to support a lifestyle I could not afford. Mm -hmm. Second thing I had to do was to, I had to stop paying my bills late. I would pay bills late and I would, you know, I was busy. I will always, but y'all know about being busy. I was busy going to a protest, busy organizing a meeting. I was busy putting together a speech and I would literally forget to pay my bills on time. And I was paying late fees, $35, $35, mm -hmm. $35. And that money adds up. So I had to stop paying my bills late. And then the third thing I did was I had to start living within the amount of money I had mm -hmm. and wait until I made more to spend more. So, th so those three Ds were debt, delinquency, and deficits. Mm -hmm. So once I got that under control, one, once I started spending as I went and paying my bills on time and then living within my means, which was a budget, then I could go to my other Ds, you know, freedom, Freedom always involves freedom from and freedom to. Mm. So now that I was free from debt delinquencies and deficits, I was free to deposit money in my own bank accounts. I had no savings at all. I'd fly all over the country and had $3 in, in the bank. So I had to make deposits in my own accounts. I started investing money in assets that worked for me. So today, I earned dividends from one of my investments and the dividend check today is bigger than my paycheck was in 1975. Mm. And then deeds. My, my grandmother owned real estate. When you own real estate, your name goes on a deed. Real estate is one of the primary ways of creating wealth. When the mortgage crisis hit because of predatory lending, more than half of black assets went down the two because Real estate was our strategy, and now the real estate's come back. So, so D3 is to be free from debt delinquencies and deficits, to be free to make deposits, earn dividends, and own real estate with your name on the deeds. And it is, as you said earlier to make it, it starts with changing our attitudes towards money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a mental thing. Mental. So... So when we talked about the app, how do you think moving into the app is, what is it going to do? You think it's going to increase it? Do you think it's app friendly? Do you think the book itself is something that is the youth are going to just gravitate to? No, no, Ray, to be honest with you, you know, D free started my Sony, my church in Jersey, and it was 2005. And I realized that my folks were driving luxury cars. They lived in nice houses. Many of them were making really good money, but they were broke. Mm. And it doesn't matter how much money you earn. What matters is how much money you keep. And so I decided to go after it. I decided that I would help both our low-income residents in the neighborhood, our middle-income families in the church, and we would start focusing on money, not just money that I wanted them to give the church, but even if you give the church 10%, the church should help you figure out how to use the other 90%. It's, it's criminal for a black church to be in a black neighborhood led by a black pastor and ministering to black people 
and not help them develop a black economic agenda. Mm. And so I decided in 2005, I was going to make financial freedom the focal point of our church and of my ministry. And so we started with a Bible study, had about 75 people. We, we began growing the thing out. The interesting thing about my work as a pastor was that once we help people develop a strategy, become financially literate, learn what the Bible really says about money. You know, Jesus talked about the anointing. And if you go in certain black Christian circles, all they talk about is the anointing this and the anointing that. Jesus said his anointing was to preach good news to poor people and to set captives free. And so what we focused on was what the Bible says about money. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 that the borrower is slave to the lender. Mm. And it says in Proverbs 13, 22, it says that a good person leaves an inheritance to their children's children, like my grandmother did. So we started that. And, and so I, I wrote a book. I wrote a workbook. We've got other kinds of books. But the reality is this, my son, and Tamika, you know this. We've trained 5,000 churches. We've worked with Church of God in Christ, AME Church, National Baptist, all over the country. Using our curriculum, we develop online tools for churches. But the reality is you're not going to reach but so many 20 to 35-year-olds in church. Mm -hmm. Now, you can argue about it. We can debate about why. But the reality is the only way you're going to reach the average 25-year-old through a church is if their grandma brings them the book. Mm -hmm. So what we are doing now is we're taking all of our principles, all of our concepts, we're digitizing it mm -hmm. and, and, and making it uh, culturally, from, yeah. from a generational perspective, yeah. relevant. Yeah. So that, for instance, uh, I think, my son, you've seen my video, when LeBron James signed his $154 million uh, contract to play basketball, we have a whole curriculum around what it means to have a $154 million basketball contract. Mm. When uh, Nipsey Hussle died, we did a whole curriculum around buy back the block. So we're digitizing all of that, taking all of the cultural icons. I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do a curriculum on you, Tamika, because you, you're not only an activist, you're a fashion, you're a fashion <laughs> statement. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do a curriculum around Tamika Mallory fashion. Yeah. And if you want to dress like this, you got to earn like this, you got to save like this, yeah. and you got to invest like this. Well, I, I would appreciate that because there are people who have a, this, this, this thing in their mind that my money comes through the movement, right? And so, and so that sounds good, right? And, and, and you could make a larger point, the macro point that I, my value is because of my skill set and my work and, you know, the, the amount of years that I've been in the movement and how I have become a strategist for many um, on diversity and inclusion and, and right. you know, uh, reform and so on and so forth. But folks have no idea how many streams of income I have coming in in order to be able to keep up my lifestyle. Um, and now I'm at the process, I'm 40 years, 41 years old. Now I'm starting to look at my investments and you know, I'm looking right. for properties in different places. I have some investments. In fact, we just had um, the, a brother named Isaac Hayes III, which is Isaac Hayes' son, um, yeah. on, the, on the show right before you. And um, I'm, a, I'm an investor at a significant amount in his company, which is called Fanbase. 
So these are things where you are 100% right. In the past, the money that I put in fan base, I would have been wearing it. Absolutely. Right. And by the right. way, I, I do. I invest and invest in me and the things that I want. But I'm starting to realize that I have everything anybody could want. And it's time for me to cut back on purchasing things and put more of my resources into building business and what have you. But but there is a slavery thing that goes on in my mind where I am concerned every I'm, I'm you know what they say, scared money don't make money. And so I right. have to beat into myself all the time that I would rather waste, not so much waste, but take the risk with something that could give me value back versus taking the risks on a pair of shoes that I'm not even going to like after I wear them a few times, you know? So That's right. it's a process. Well, and, and my son, to your point, what we're adding this year is kind of an internal social media platform where people can connect with each other. Because one of the things, and, and both of you know this, one of the ways you sustain a mentality, a behavior, or movement is when you're around like-minded people. Yeah. And uh, long before COVID, you know, it's hard. It's hard to find serious people. The reality is, we have a culture of distraction, where serious subjects don't take as quickly as right. as decadent subjects. And so we we now have, for instance, I've got ten thousand people signed up on a platform called the Billion Dollar Challenge. I've challenged our community to pay down a billion dollars in debt. Because for every dollar you pay down in debt, you increase your wealth by three or four dollars. So I can create four to five billion dollars of wealth for Black people if if ten thousand, if a hundred thousand people pay off ten thousand mm. dollars. Well, in that platform, the strength is that people form groups, and if 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 my friend is doing it and his cousin's doing it, we have to make it popular. To, to invest in money and not just wear our money. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get some of these young cats that are spending $100,000 on watches. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a $100,000 watch if you already own enough assets to kick out enough interest and an, enough uh, dividend to pay for the watch. If your money is working for you and buying the watch, that's fine. But if you're spending money on the watch and then the money's gone, then it's not fine That's right. because the fact of the matter is this one, we are more likely to be disabled before we're 65 than we are dead before 65, which means that we've got to start making plans because I'm sure both of you look up from time to time and say to yourself, boy, where'd the time go? Yeah. We get older faster than we plan to. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is when we die, if we spent everything we have, when we die, we have nothing to leave behind. And then finally, when we get tired of working, I got tired of being the pastor of the same church. I built the church up to about 6,000 members. We built affordable housing for the neighborhood. We built a health clinic for the neighborhood. We had job training for the neighborhood. We had the only Black-owned foster care and adoption agency in the neighborhood formed by the church. So I did six jobs in mm. 30 years every single day. And I said, you know what? I'm in, I'm in good health. The church is strong. The members are, 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 are supporting. It's time for me to pass the baton on to a younger pastor. And I did, but I'm proud of the fact that I didn't have to hold on because I needed the money. That's right. You need the paycheck. That's, wow. That's, that's, that's and there's, no, see, there's no union for activists to join 
that'll that'll invest your dues no, in a pension. No, <laughs> you got to be your own union. Yeah, be right. your own union. And people, people, you know, they they they. I mean, even when you talk about doing a book on, oh, no, he said he did the profile on LeBron, right? People right. think because I have a million dollar book deal, which is a two book deal, actually, that I'm just the richest person in the world. And actually, a million dollars for two books that take a lot of time out of your life. There's so many people I have to pay, agents, managers, people to help me write, lawyer. People, the right. lawyer, the people that help me write, the people That's who, right. the, the research person to make sure what I'm saying makes sense. All of those folks get paid. It's not a million dollars. It's not even close to a million dollars, which I'm grateful forget, for. Let's not, don't forget about taxes. Uh, uh, hello, and taxes, which is something that I also have had to deal with issues. I'm still clean. In fact, I paid the state $15,000 yesterday, just to I be clear. $9,400 yesterday. <laughs> Fifteen thousand yes, dollars yesterday. I had to call. They don't. They're not trying to hear the story about how my arm hurts and my, I you know, know, this and that. Uncle and Sam gonna get his money. Fifteen thousand dollars. I paid yesterday. Uh, twenty five thousand dollars two weeks ago. And the and it, and by the way, you have to pay money to project what you might make. That's quarterly. That's so right. this is real. This is grown folk business out here. That's right. That's right. And and if we don't address this, then we are contributing to our own demise. Yeah. You know, prosperity now projects that by the year 2053, the black median income, black net worth would be zero. And listen, when you start out behind, we started out behind, <laughs> which means that since we can't go back and change the past, and since it seems that neither the Democrats nor the Republicans have us as their priority, Facts. we have to make mm. ourselves our own priority That's and gospel. have this talk and get the work done. Yes, sir. That's well, the gospel, this man. was great. Listen, you, everything you said is from, from your mouth to God's ears, man, and it's the truth. Man, tell them where you can find this app. Where can we find the um, book, which your website, all of the things yeah, so we, we yeah. can get that done. Well, the best way to keep up with all of my work because I've got I've got this D free platform. I'm training. You love this to make. I'm training uh, black men and women to become corporate directors. I'm teaching them the ins and outs wow. of, of how to get on a corporate board. I've been on seven corporate boards. I've made a lot of money serving on corporate boards, and I'm I'm just trying to share what I know. So my my website is dbstories.com. DBSorry. Yeah, com. My social media handle. I could, if y'all would just lend me two or three of your followers, y'all got about <laughs> three million followers between you. Uh, my, my social media handles are DBSorries on everything Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I think I'm even on what's tick, TikTok or something. <laughs> well, you're going to get some followers <laughs> yeah, I ain't even from on TikTok. us. I got to get on TikTok. Yeah, you're going to get some followers from us. Um, from this show, because we are certainly going to uh, push this particular interview, but also just to have you as part of our everyday conversations going forward. We appreciate you. We love you. We support you. And we thank you for lifting us in That's prayer. Right. Um, and what you're doing yeah, do. is truly God's work. So you may have transitioned from being the pastor standing in the pulpit, but you're still pastoring by doing the work that you do every single day. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be with you and I'm available 
anytime you need me. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Appreciate the forest stories. Yes. All right. This the is man. a powerful this man. Is the man. You're, you got some good friends. I try. You know, I try <laughs> to keep good company. Take care. Take care, King. All right. You too. My friend. <laughs> you, you got your friend. You you right. know, last these two weeks has been your friend. That's what I'm saying. I got to get a little testosterone up here, man, because there's a whole lot of estrogen had, in these buildings. I am so happy yeah, that we've had two we shows that were with men because um, that that has been not so much a challenge, but women are just doing so many dope things yeah, that we just, fill the shows with women. Yeah, so you know, so I just wanted got to two, show y'all. You got two in 2022. Yeah. Now we're going back to the women. Oh, uh, I no. bet. <laughs> you know, but shout out to DeForest, B. Soris, you know, yeah. D. Free. Sounds like we need that. We need yeah. financial freedom. We need to understand money and all these things. But this whole episode was just enlightening. It brings me to my I don't get it. Yeah. So just when you listen to Isaac Hayes the third, right, and you just listen to the concept of what, you know, fan base is, it seems like I said a no brainer. And then you said, like you said, well, it's a no brainer for you, but it's a brainer for somebody, right? And it's because he's black. Yeah. It's fact. It's because white folks. Every time you listen to me, Jay Z said the real shit. He was like, yo, you 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 question me about mine. Right, but you don't ask title. Ty, you asking me about title. Y'all want to know who's this? Where's the money come from? Why? And you getting way more money with title. Like it's it's simple. If you look at the if you look at the splits or how he's giving you you monetizing your music, it's it's clear that you make more money. You never ask YouTube where the, the money come from. You never ask Spotify. You don't act. You don't care. These are white owned companies that you don't know anything and you put all your content, you give them everything and you don't care. When we listen to the fan base, I go on Instagram and got five over 500,000 followers. You got 1 million and we go up there, we give this content. We don't make a dime. Like literally don't make no money from Instagram for really what we do. And we bring so many different people's perspectives, ideas and everything to these platforms. Right. And people and don't, and we know that the white man owns it. We know that they shadow banning us. We know that they um, suppressing, suppressing our content. They doing everything possible. And we know it. And we still go there. And we're going to keep bringing our content. If we go, and I bet you we can go to the top 10 people on Instagram right now and say, yo, fan base, you can, just for 1% of what you make here, you probably can make a million dollars monthly. Easy. Oh, but their agents are going to say, don't do it. Um, and it's going to be the biggest challenge. We had another evaluation and it's not what they they said because of this and that and the third. Oh yeah. It's going to be everything wrong because it's something that has to do with black crew. And I just do not get why are we so skeptical or why do we hold on to these narratives and we hold on to things that hold us back with our own people, but we'll give everybody else the benefit of the doubt. Well, Mr. Buster said that we have to be free from free from and free to. So it's the same concept when we said don't buy Gucci, right? Because it, when you put out a blackface sweater with the, the lips and the whole thing, at least there should be, you should experience some serious backlash from it. And by the way, they did. We know because we looked at their numbers in terms of, um, the, you know, their revenue 
for that particular year and they had a major dip. There was a decrease in people purchasing in, uh, Gucci. And by the way, I wouldn't put it on my body. Today, I wouldn't put it on. I don't care what At they all. come out with. And I At love all. Balenciaga. And I also love the the partnership like they I'm not going Gucci got some fly shit I used to wear Gucci all the time so Gucci and Balenciaga's partnership they got some bad shit I would never wear it because I can't it's too many other brands for me to be working with the one or putting my money into the one that didn't see blackface as being a problem now other people said they don't give a damn they still gonna wear it I'm not finna fall out with black people over white folks stuff it is what it is. But we couldn't get, we got, we had people that got mad with us. We had people going to the meetings, working against us and not even talking to us about what was happening. We had people telling us they were going to invite us to the meeting who said we should be there. And then at some point decided that only people who were in support of, of the fact that Gucci could do better should be in the meeting. Mm -hmm. Love them all. No problem with them, but it was, but we had a different perspective. And if ever we could all be together about even the ones, the ones who want to tear down the system and the people who think there's a way to reform it from within should be working very closely together. And we should never, ever, ever, ever go into a room and be okay with the fact that the other has been disinvited because of their position. We should never. So there are people within Until Freedom who is radical as hell. Tori Russell drives me crazy out of my mind. But sometimes his radical perspective, which, by the way, is a very intelligent young man, but his radical perspective, at times, it forces me to be even even more strategic and, you know, and to push myself exactly, even out of my comfort because zone. Because you understand that he has a perspective he that is shared by a Absolutely. lot of people. But, and those people are people that we need, right? So you got to sit there and say, okay, he has a perspective that a lot of people share, right? And it's, it's radical. And the way that he wants to go about it is probably not the way I would go about it, right? right? So how do I utilize his perspective understand his perspective and come to terms with what it is that I believe should happen and combine both of those, those things. things. That's what together. makes leadership. Right. That's what makes unity is that when you find the commonality and find out, hi, right, I know you want to do this and I want to do this and these, and we basically need something to happen. Right. So how do we take a little, little bit, bit of what of you got, a little, little bit, bit of that, that and we come to terms and say, okay, I'm okay with that. Absolutely. And that's what we got to do Absolutely. as black people. But we I, don't, and, and there are also people within Until Freedom, not many, but there are people within Until Freedom who are like, hey, that might be too risky. And, you know, we need to be careful. Think about it from this perspective. And that helps us to keep people alive, to keep people safe. Because if we follow what some of them want to do, we might, they ready to die right now, tonight. For what they believe in, they ready to die. Everybody go to jail, whatever is necessary. And sometimes we need other people who have a perspective that helps us to pull it in the middle so that we keep people safe, so that we don't, um, you know, uh, uh, preeminently have, you know, have folks sacrifice for a system that ain't going to never, 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 ever, ever been to what it needs for it to be for our communities. So it's it's a it's a it's a it's a freedom from a mindset and it's a freedom to us being able to say, I'm going to uh, what the, uh, Jay also said, you what you want to buy the Nike sneaker. 
right? You're not trying to focus on build, break, making your own sneaker, supporting your own brands. And so we have to have a mixture of that, which is why I'm wearing my uh, Black Queen shirt, my, my hoodie today, Black Queen. This is some of our Black-owned brands. I don't know if y'all can see it because I'm like blocked. I don't know. Anyway, my camera's in, I mean, my microphone's in the front of it. But it is the Black Queen sweatshirt by Black Women's Lives Matter. Our sister Jamila T. Davis. We have to also, yes, I, I, yes, I have a Louis Vuitton hoodie. Yes, I have Balenciaga sweaters. But I also rock this. And guess what? When I go TV to TV appearances and other places that matter in terms of representation, I wear stuff from our own people. I'm not coming up here to do street politicians with Balenciaga on it until they put some money on the table for the work that we do every day. So and that and again, I still wear it, but it's but it's a freedom it's a different from mindset. Yeah. and it's a freedom it's just too. understanding how you utilize your own power. Yeah. You know, like every time I do something I know is gonna have a significant viral response, yeah. I make sure that I'm wearing my own That's brands. That's right, you do. You're very serious else. about that. I'm very strategic about that because I understand if I get a, a, a video that has 30 million views, you know, and somebody sees a hat that I have on, a shirt that I have on, and they're like, oh, I want, to, I want it to be some way that we can monetize that's right. that. That's and right. it's, it's something that's owned by us. So, you know, we just got to- You're gotta... very, 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 you have taught me about and made me think Make sure I wear my Until Freedom sweatshirt or I I made us get some blazers because I just can't, you know, I just I just can't. I can't wear my Until Freedom sweat sweatsuit all the time. Mm -hmm. So we have to have ways of, of making our own, adding our own flavor. And you've been doing that since I first met. I remember being like, I don't know, it was like we were talking about something. Mice, you should wear this or you should do this. And you was like, yeah, I'll do that. But I'm not finna do You're not going to put that on me to go to a show or do something where people are actually going to see my brands. So, you know, I, I support and and I really support both of these brothers and what they're talking about. Definitely, definitely, man. Shout out to to DeForest and shout out to Isaac Hayes for you know just giving us different perspectives. And you know, I just I, I'm I'm a lot more intentional you about are. trying to make sure that we monetize and, and make sure that we are investing in our own and being able to make money off the things and that we put into this universe and our intellectual property our minds, our ideas, like people have been making too much money off us. Man. They have. You know, and so we got to start making sure that we capitalize. Unfortunately, in, in the mind state, like he said, that that people think that doing certain work or certain things you shouldn't be able to make money is the weirdest shit ever. Oh, I don't even, we don't like, even have to talk about that We don't even got to talk about that, but it's just, not listen, gonna, I'm going to make, I'm going to make money off of everything that I do. Every way possible, I'm going to be able to make money. I'm going to be able to invest in our communities, invest in our children. And still because, do the right and thing. And still do yeah. the right thing. If That's we right. are not able to make money off of our own work, our own blood, sweat, and tears to put back into our communities, ain't nobody coming to save us. That's right. We That's to right. us that's going to save us. Hmm. And with that said... It's another episode of Street Politicians. We appreciate you. Make sure that you give us your input. If you got ideas for shows that you want to, you know, you want to hear about, let us know. Go to Street Politicians Pod on Instagram and DM us. You know, if you have a small business, make sure that you have a real small, a real small business. <laughs> you know, you have a tax ID or whatever. We want let us know, and we'll bring you up here. I mean, bring your product up here on our show. 
For sure. For sure. I'm not going to always be right. Tamika's not going to always be wrong, but we both always, and I mean always, be on deck. Peace. That's how we own it. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC.